0: Looking back on a couple of eliminations, welcome to Hand of Pod. And one and all to episode 406 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello, welcome. By Santi. Hi guys. Whose internet is hopefully going to be a bit better tonight than it was last yeah, week.
1: Yeah, I promise, I promise. This time I'm, I'm actually with my uh, proper microphone and <laughs> headset.
0: I mean, it wasn't really your fault last week anyway, was it? Uh, and English Dan. Hello. Um, as I've already well mentioned just at the start of the theme tune there, we've had two Copa eliminations for Argentine clubs to cover. There is one remaining Copa Libertadores quarterfinal. That I've only just remembered. It uh, doesn't involve an Argentine side, of course. And it's kicking off in, I think, a couple of hours' time. Um, we might talk about it in passing later. Uh, first of all, however, let's go through the results from the round just gone of the competition. I keep having to remind myself not to call the Superliga. Old habits die hard. The Liga Profesional de Football. Uh, those were Colon one, Himnasia nil. A very entertainingly bad tempered match. That one. Uh, one red card for Colon and two for Himnasia as well. Huracan nil, Unión nil, Atlético Tucumán two, Aldo CB two. Argentinos 2, Banfield 0, River 2, Vélez 0, Rosario Central 1, Independiente 2, Patronato 1, Central Córdoba 0, Platense 2, Arsenal 1, Estudiantes 1, Boca 0, Racing 2, Newells 0, Tacheres 2, San Lorenzo 2, Red Cards 0, Defensa y Justicia 4, Sarmiento 2, and Lanús 3, Godoy Cruz Won. Um, I think everybody's going to be happy then, aren't they? Because in, in league terms, at least River won their match, so Andres is in a good mood. Racing won there, so Dan should be in a good mood. And Independiente, just for a change, won theirs. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? Because Independiente are top of the league. Um, but you wouldn't think it to listen yeah, to uh, how I... Santi <laughs> normally talks about this. So, Santi,
1: what do you think of him? Yeah, to be honest, I, I still don't quite believe it. two uh, straight... Two straight match weeks in which we end at the top of the table, which is, which are some weird words to say, you know, um, considering the fact that it's the first time in about eleven years that either has managed such a feat. Um, and to be quite honest, I think uh, this uh, Rosario Central win was uh, well has followed the pattern that most. Uh, Falcioni wins as follow, which is um, a pretty decent first half but with um, some pressure um, with some pressure on the on the opponent off the ball, uh, creating some decent chances uh, with even um, Alan Velasco his senior uh, Nuan Quoc for for the assist for the first goal, and then Silvio Romero with a beautiful beautiful chip for the second, which was. Uh, well, I think it's just great that Silvio Romero has finally uh, found uh, the back of the net once again after being so hit and miss uh, in the last couple of weeks. I think it's a, it's a pleasure that. And uh, Alan Soñora has also emerged as a replacement for, well, as a much needed replacement for another academy graduate in Saltita Gonzalez, who is still injured, um, which is, also, very good news for, uh, for a, a squad as short as Independientes. Is Alan um, Sonora...
0: Sorry to interrupt, Santi, but is Alan Sonora yeah. any relation to Joel?
1: And they're brothers. And uh, their father is uh, a, former Boca, uh, a former Boca player who also finished his career at the MLS. So, I think both players are ed- eligible to play for the U.S. men's national team.
0: Uh, I didn't realize that about the eligibility. I just remember having been asked about showing Sonora. By uh, listeners in the United States, almost before I'd even heard. I mean, I essentially, I first heard of him because of them asking me because he was. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> let me check this information. But I think, but I think both of them were born in the United States, if if I'm not mistaken.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: uh, yeah, he, Alan Sonero was born in New Jersey.
0: Excellent. Well, good for him. Well done. Uh, I watched the first about the first hour of this match actually, and I, I'm struggling to recall uh, either of Independiente's two goals, but just looking at the stats you, you mentioned that Romero scored the second, he scored the first one as well, of course, and it looks like Velasco exactly, yeah. got yeah, the assist for he, both as well, so two good of, Yeah, good uh, Romero,
1: Romero actually, I mean Romero's first was a tap-in from a brilliant play from beraco who uh, capitalised mm. on a defensive error and then he he danced around the goalkeeper that's why he channeled Nuanco Cano from that uh, third goal against Chelsea
0: Yeah, I remember that now you there? I fear we might have lost Samty, uh again. Oh really? Oh, it's my internet connection that's unstable. Apparently, I do. F- I very think
2: sorry about really that. Good. If that helps.
1: Yeah, I was I was saying that. Um, yeah, the first goal was basically a tap in for for Romero after a brilliant, brilliant play from from uh, Velasco, who capitalized on a on a defensive error and then danced around the keeper. That's why I channeled Juan back then from his goal against Chelsea. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, there were some, again, decent signs in the first half. And then in the paint, they lowered their guard a bit in the second. And that's why, once again, uh, their opponents capitalized on a loose pass in the middle of the pitch, which resulted in a great goal uh, for the central consolation. But fortunately, in the beginning, were, you know, solid enough to... To keep the whole of the lead and uh finish another another match week at the top of the table, which I still have to you know spell it out to believe it. I still cannot uh wrap my head around the fact that independiente are leading. It's still, you know, very early days. There's like four-fifths of the, the tournament still to play, but still, you know, this is a great, great start for Independiente.
0: Indeed, it is. It's been quite a handy start for Racing as well. They got a 2-0. Uh, win in their first post-Pizzi match, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, under Claudio Ubeda, Um Over Newell's. Dan, any improvement?
2: It's pretty much the same, to be honest. I think Pizzi's gone, but, but his spirit remains around Davos Um If that's a good or bad thing, uh, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Gone, but,
1: but not forgotten. Gone,
2: but not expunged. Yeah, I guess is the way to say it. Um, what can I say? No, pretty much the same as we've seen all year from Racing. Very, very dull stuff in the in the first half. I was really struggling to to pay attention. I was I can't remember what I'd done in the day either, but probably just having a kid. I was pretty knackered, so I was trying to pay attention as much as I could, and probably failing for most of it. And then suddenly out of the blue, uh. Tomás Chancalé pitches up with uh, Gol Olimpico, which was a real um, bolt from the blue. Uh, I think it went down in the end as as, as an ecoco one goal, but it was definitely his goal. I mean, not giving that to Chancalé would just be very, very petty from the power B and probably why Argentine football is in such a bad state. There I said it. It's all <laughs> down to, you know, if we're going to look for a reason for this malaise, I think we should start there. Um and yeah, since it, um, from there Racing were pretty comfortable. They tied it up about twenty minutes later with a very nice team goal, um, rounded off by Fabrício Dominguez. Um, and yeah, it was solid. I mean, as I say, it was awful to watch for most of it. I'm just looking at the statistics: forty-four fouls between the two teams. Yikes. Uh, yeah, uh, twenty-two each. So you know, balanced. Um Newells were, were not helped by the fact that Alain Aguirre had an absolute nightmare. He looked like he had washing up liquid on his gloves or something. He just refused to catch anything. Um, and I think I'm all right, Sam, in saying you had Newell's down for the win.
0: I really can't remember. I forget those predictions almost as soon as they come out my mouth.
2: Yeah, um, and I only barely listen when you say saying, But, I but think it
0: wouldn't surprise me if I did, given remember. that uh, I, I think Racing had already sacked Pizzi by the time we recorded last week. Yeah, of course they had, because it was Friday yes, night when we recorded had. last week. So uh, yeah, I, I suspect I probably did predict New to win.
2: Yeah. Um, and yeah, what, what more can you say about this? Racing team, fifth in the table, only one defeat, albeit uh, defeat that. That stung quite a bit. Uh, one goal conceded in six games. Um, they've brought their goals for them up to a mighty five and six games now um, and I think as I've said before kind of in this league at the moment with so many teams just not doing anything consistently Racing's consistent mediocre but kind of tight stable football uh, gets results
0: indeed yeah um Five, four and one conceded means that they are only one goal behind league leaders Independiente for goal difference. Uh, Independiente have scored seven and let in two and a level on goal difference with the second place side, who are Lanús, but they've gone about things in a very different way. They've scored 13 and conceded eight. Um, So if you want entertainment, then better to watch Lanús. And uh, we're not going to go into very much detail, I suspect, about their game because it took place on Monday night. But just to mention that Yet again, when it looked like it wasn't going to happen, it did happen. Jose Sand did another goal uh, in the 89th minute at the end of that to make it three-one when they were That's already a 2 one Which model. is insane,
1: insane for a man his age.
0: Yeah, um, indeed it is. So Lanusa hot Independientes heels. Now this is going to balls up our normal structure of domestic stuff in the first half, continental stuff in the second half. Uh, But the other person who supports one of the teams uh, this evening is obviously Andres who's a river fan. And it seems a little bit daft, although I did half joke about it earlier about them having had a good weekend um, to mention their league win without the context of the Copa Libertadores elimination that took place on Wednesday night. And it's the first time since Marcelo Gachardo took over seven years ago that river have failed to make the semi-final of the Libertadores. Um, Andres, general thoughts on, uh, well, you weren't here last week, so what are your general thoughts on, on both legs of the Atletico Mineiro tie, really? And, and does the fact that we're now going to presumably see a serious attempt at the league title for a change uh, compensate for it at all? Um,
3: well, yes. Um, it was the first time that River doesn't get the semifinals of Copa Libertadores. In, in, in five years, it was... I think the first one, Um, and uh, um, yes, uh, they shared, River shared the same uh, bad performance uh, of the other teams in in continental competitions, because I think it was the first time in 15 years, I think the last time was in 2006 that no teams, no Argentinian teams are in the semifinals of any any continental competitions. I mean, zero out of eight. Uh, teams are are in that uh, in that stage, um, and yes, in the case of River, particularly, um, um, I knew or we knew it would be quite tough uh, because Atlético Mineiro was a, a very good team that uh, hadn't shown shown it against Boca. In fact, Boca deserved to to qualify because of the goals that were uh, disallowed uh, through the bar, but. Um, in that case, Minero didn't show that much, but against them, against River, it was a completely different team. At least they showed uh, something completely different, being a, a, a team that didn't let uh, play River, and they played uh, very, very well with a lot of intensity, a lot of dynamic and, and, and very, very powerful in attack with uh, with Hulk, who uh, was called like he was fat or, or, or he was a very very by like uh, uh, not able to per, perhaps play at, the, at this level and, and last night it was just uh, uh, the man of the match clearly uh, scoring one goal assisting in a, another one and and, and uh, almost other one with in which Saracho couldn't score but he had score scored in in other two occasions um and I think that of, of all of all the times in which River played with Gashardo and non was perhaps the most difficult and the most easily in which you could, you could see that they could be out of the Copa Libertadores because there were quite a lot of differences between one team and each other, one team and the other, sorry. Uh, and well, uh, I think the river has been losing that mental strength that ha- ha- have been showing with, with, when Gashardo was there on the bench. Uh, this time, there were no equ- uh, no... I think no. Uh, there were differences in all of the lines, and well, uh, Gallardo himself said it yesterday after the the, the defeat, uh, in which not only they, they 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 lost all both matches, but they couldn't score in a single goal, and the, the, the global or aggregate score was four 0 for Minero. Um, I think nothing to say about the the. I mean, River. Uh, I think that they could have done that much or or too much from what they have done. Um, uh, with a with team with who, whose signings weren't uh, uh, as good as, as, as we thought uh, at first sight, uh, I, I mean, Paravesino, Paradella, uh, well, Fontana was injured, um, Martínez, perhaps, he was good. Uh, also, well, Maidana, uh, we saw yesterday a, a very, very, a weak version of, of what he was in the past uh, couldn't be able to mark uh, was able to mark Hulk in the first goal he in which he easily easily uh, crossed for for to, to score magnificently uh, and well it's i, 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 I wouldn't say or, or, or wouldn't call perhaps uh, individual players for for the, the bad performance that River had but that helped for River to be a weak team in this case, or a normal team, but not not dangerous team and uh, very very easy to concede goals. Uh, so I think everything was uh, in their uh, align for River to not be able to to, to play as as they are used to play. I mean,
0: yeah, you made the point that Atlético Mineiro played much better than than they had done against Boca. But the other thing I thought was that they River really. Um, sort of played into their hands more, especially last night in the second leg with, with such a high line. When you've got Jonathan Maidana, who's 35, 36 or something now. Um, and uh, Martinez alongside him at centre-back, who's you know, much younger, but his strength is normally more in his positioning and his aerial game um, than his pace, which just meant yeah. that... When when they were pushing up, I mean the the second goal, I think it was the second goal. The the lovely pass through and and Hulk just had to run onto it and, and chip over Armani, um, was a case in point. It, there was there was nobody there to to catch up with the strikers rushing through, even when the striker rushing through is Hulk, who, you know, is hardly the quickest player in the world. Um, yeah, I think, and Franco I think Armani you, you could also... is a sweeper keeper, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you could, you could also see that in the first goal was I mean you would always find someone who was not quite in the same in the same line as the rest of the defenders. So they were just not they didn't have the enough understanding to to push to pull off a, an offside trap. But at the same time, they, they weren't quick enough to track back. So I mean from the start, I think the probably the main culprit um, of uh, of this result is just Gajardo's and Gajardo's tactical plan, which just blew in his face.
0: Yeah, not something that we're used to saying, especially in the latter stages of any knockout competition, really, since he's taken charge. But this time around, uh, it didn't work. Um, In the league, as as we mentioned... Sorry, Andres, go on.
3: No, yes. One one of the the best uh, defenders to to play in these uh, three-bar-five line uh, of defenders was uh, Robert Rojas, who he's at, at this point clearly not fit or perhaps not at, at his best uh, form. And that's why I think Achardo, of course, chose to play with, with Maidana there, who uh, I think wasn't in his first form either, uh, as, as he uh, had to go, had to leave the, the, the match at, at the thirty third minute just before the second goal mm. uh, came. Uh, so, yes, that plan or that uh, draw... That way didn't didn't work, and of course he Lashardo, uh admitted this that the, the way they planned or they how they imagined the match uh, uh, didn't work, and, and and well after Maidana, I think who was the one who got into the match? I think Paradelà was it, right? Uh, when Maidana with Maidana went out, that sounds yeah, right. Yeah, straight after
1: they, they considered the second.
3: Yes. Uh, so they had to change, of course, and, and this meant that, the the, that, that well, the the
0: the plan didn't work, of course. Yeah, you made the point as well about some of the signings not having been up to it, and Paradella, I think, is is a it feels to me like an obvious illustration of that because of the fact that he, I mean, not like for like necessarily, but he he's almost come in as a replacement for Nacho Fernandez, who of course scored the, the goal in the first leg last week, and. Uh, they got himself sent off, so it wasn't involved last night um, but in in the way that they're both wide midfielders coming into the inside, um, capable of playing in the center as well, and they both of course joined River from gymnasia. Um, the difference being that when Fernandez joined River. There were lots and lots. I remember lots of River fans going, Who is this guy? Like we, we don't want on on the basis that presumably they'd only been watching Rivers games and haven't seen how brilliant he was for Hymnasia. I think I remember making this point when the when the signing first went through. Whereas with Paradella, it seems like everybody in Argentina knew who he was because he was playing for Maradona's gymnasia. Um and he's just he hasn't lived up to it so far. I I can't remember. I've admittedly haven't been paying as much attention to River this season as, as I was. Back when they signed Nacho Fernandez, but um, I just can't really remember him doing very much since since joining them.
3: No, and uh, I think that's something that uh, happens uh, has been happening to uh, uh, all of the creative infielders that joined River recently. Uh, talking about Palavecino, Paradela. Well, not not so recently, but Carrascal is that uh, is that you you perhaps got excited with the with the way they they beginning they, their beginnings and then it's like they fade into a, a quite interesting... they can't uh, 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 transcend or digamos, uh, to do something different or to 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 be re- relevant for the game. Uh, uh, vecino started very well and now is even not a ch- chance a choice for for, for being for entering. Uh, in the second half, or 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 suited, suited. That is something strange because uh, one month ago, perhaps he was clearly a, a a choice, but now apparently his performance has been uh, be, even being worse and worse, and and and, and that I think that happens to also the one you, you mentioned Bardella. Well, Carrascalis, I think the one. Like like you say here in Argentina, we say lag- lagunero, like someone who disappears in the uh, appears and disappears constantly and what
0: yeah, sorry, I I was uh you yeah. stopped speaking there, but I I was just in the middle of looking up the Libertadores uh, um qualification sorry. table for next year, because of course the one thing that River have been measuring themselves on since Gachardo took charge is being in next year's Libertadores, so I mean domestically, that seems to be all they care about. So I was seeing how far behind they are. They're three points behind Beles in Bellez currently in the fourth spot for qualification. Yes. Um, because that's going to be done over the whole of the year 2021, uh, which includes the cup, the group stage of the cup competition we had in the first half of the year. And then this league contest. Uh, so, in that respect, at least, the 2 0 win over Velez on Sunday turns out to be a useful result because being out of the it's Copa Argentina. It's crucial,
3: it's crucial because uh, in the last, uh, last years, River won or Copa Libertadores or Copa Argentina, and that's the way they used to qualify. And now they don't have neither of them. So, uh, they will have to or uh, be the champions of the Liga Profesional or, or we are at least third in the annual table, like the one you you just mentioned, I think.
0: Yeah, it's at least fourth, in fact, but um, yes. Colon, obviously, are the top team in, in the annual table at the moment, having won the, the Copa, um competition earlier on this year. So it's them plus the next three teams down. Um, but yeah, so a bit of a post-mortem over now. Um it will be interesting, as I hinted earlier, to see whether River are going to actually take the league seriously and try to win it for a change now. Um, moving on to the remaining two of the big five, having just talked about River, let's talk about Boca. Um, a week after Rassing sacked Pizzi, Boca have, I don't know whether it's sacked or whether it's this peculiar thing that the Argentine media have of going, they've parted company and then never actually telling us who, whether he was sacked or whether he walked before he was pushed or what um, but Miguel Ángel Russo is no longer the manager of Boca Juniors and uh, if you hadn't watched any other Boca games this year but you just sat down to watch Estudiantes versus Boca on was it Saturday or Sunday? Saturday um, then I don't think you could have been surprised by it really yeah, but Boca, by, when, by the news that he someone... lost his job afterwards
3: when someone wants to continue and he doesn't, uh, what well, he sucked.
0: He did want to continue, did he?
3: Yeah, apparently. Well, he he was conscious conscious that the the performance uh, uh, that his team had uh, was having wasn't uh, good enough. But uh, uh, the information was that he he had the the, the energy at least to, to continue and what well, me and. And the other guys of the Consejo, uh, the football, uh, determined that he he was it was enough at this point to to for him in in the club, and and, and that is I think the way they they sat, sat him.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he, if he wanted to continue, then obviously he's a far more decorated football manager than any of us are. But I'd humbly suggest that he could have suggested to his players that they might want to try playing some football at some point, because I mean, yes. just. Especially the shooting, but, but just from front to back, they really awful. Carlos Izquierdos is about the only one I think who's really rescued any dignity the weekend just gone. Um,
3: the problem is that they don't have even strikers. Uh, yeah, I mean,
0: Roberto Briasco leading the line. I, I, I can't remember whether we commented on this when he was first signed, but how does that happen? How, how you know, possibly if we'd had a, a, a Boca fan who was... Involved in the podcast long term listeners are aware that we we have several on the, the email list that get sent around, but for whatever reason they don't like being involved on a very regular basis um <laughs> but you know if i I'm just trying to imagine like thinking about how Mariano used to react when San Lorenzo signed somebody who he knew was going to be terrible and and what he would have said if they'd signed obviously they wouldn't have signed briasco because he you know from where I can, but um you know what I mean like just it it looked like it was going to go wrong when it was mentioned he's just he's not good enough for them i mean what is a
2: club like I Boca, Boca, I mean, uh, yeah
0: i think the Boca same thing, just uh,
2: a um an international striker like in any uh, shape or form they didn't get guerrero they didn't get kovani uh, so they had to go for for armenia's
1: yeah, top they, man they, they didn't get a marcelo moreno martins or miguel borja exactly yeah uh the, the thing the thing is uh they were also trying to they were also trying to sign Arsini they did but you know Arsini is just living in the living in the treatment room but he's not a proficient or you know a prolific striker either you know, it's, that's not, just not the role he he accomplishes and it's weird because Boca actually do have an international striker in their books um, but it's not paying for Boca he's now in the Sudamericana semi with uh, Bragancino with uh, Giancarlo Hurtado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which um, which is it's weird. It's just uh, you know the situation where Boca's best striker is not playing for Boca and has not been has not played for Boca in about two years or something.
0: Yeah, and they just don't fancy him, or I I forget exactly why. What well, as you say, he's been away for such a long time, that I forget why he. He left. I do remember that he wasn't as good for, for Bocca as he looked for him. I previously. Yeah, I mean, but... he,
1: he was a little bit, uh, he was a little bit underwhelming, but uh, I mean, you can't deny the fact that he's, um, that he's a, a very, very hot talent considering his uh, international form and now his form for Bragantino. It maybe it goes to think, it makes you think that probably Bocca is, or the way Bocca set up is probably the problem, you know. Mm. Uh, because I mean, they, they've been trying all these, you know, marquee signings, uh, on, like trying to sign like the hottest player in Argentine football in a short period of time, like you know, Vriaco and Orsini, and now Rolon, who has become like really underwhelming. And you know they're gonna fail, and they eventually do. And Boca have just spent a, a lot of money in a really underwhelming player who they know will not fit their style, and no, just decisions that never make sense.
3: You know, and they sign they sign players in positions that they clearly do don't just uh, need. They don't need. A, a, they had Almendra, Varela, Medina there in this in the midfield. Of course, they are kids. They are they are not perhaps prepared to play all of the matches. But you had a you will say more or less midfield in which you could rely on them. And, and and they all of a sudden they are all out all out of the. Of the team and 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 they get uh, they get run and He plays immediately, similar to Advíncula. Uh, you have Wajant and and but in the first match, two two days after he arrived to Argentina, he was in the in the starting lineup.
1: Yeah, uh, I remember like one uh, one stat that Juan Paluszczak had uh, thrown in uh, before uh, Russo's final game as a Boca manager, which was I think shocking, which is that. Out of the 12 players in Boca's bench, 10 were academic graduates, but then none of their starters were. So you, you could see clearly what Boca thought, or at least Russo thought, of the academic graduates back then, which I think kind of you know, explains why Amial is just um, trying to, to see whether Battaglia would be a better fit because he would clearly give uh, more minutes to the youngsters.
0: Yeah, as Santi just hinted there at the end, the plan now for Boca is that Sebastián Bataglia uh, takes over as manager, I think, until the end of the year, right? And then they're going to try and see who they can bring in in the summer. Um, the way that they seem to be run institutionally at the moment, I wouldn't necessarily bet against them, you know, if, if somebody becomes available in the meantime, just going, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get him, Um
1: yeah, you know someone really who's sure available right now who well, I think it would be a very would be a very popular choice. I would think uh, Luis Felipe Scolari. I think it's the kind of big name Boca would attract, but would still not be very successful with Boca. You think
0: anybody in Argentina's got the kind of money Scolari wants?
1: Well, that's a very good question. But Scolari had just has just uh, finished uh, a stint with Crusader, who are you know
3: very short of money and football for that matter. <laughs> He confessed that he wanted to be the coach of Boca sometime, but
0: well. Eh. Oh, I missed that. that that's interesting because that, that that stylistically that feels like it could be a a very good fit of you know manager to club. Um, that could be really interesting to see. Plus, I just you know he's tremendously outspoken and vastly experienced and everything. I think it'd be really good fun to to have him involved in the Argentine league, really, regardless of who it was with. Um, yeah, could be entertaining. Um, so, Boca, at the moment, 24th out of 26 teams after six matches in the Liga Profesional. Um, the remaining big five side are San Lorenzo, um, who have two wins, two draws, and two defeats, and are currently sitting mid-table, 15th place, following their 2-0 defeat to Tacheres on Monday evening. Um I have to confess, I did not see this match. Did anybody manage to catch it? I
1: think, I think the thing with uh, San Lorenzo is that when they win, they're not very convincing. And when they lose, mm. they lose heavily, which is what happened with Unión when they got smacked 4-1. And Talleres just completely outplayed them once, um, once again, which uh, I don't know. It's just uh, I don't really vote well for the future of Paula Montero, who, I, who in, at, in first place I don't hear, was a very popular choice as a manager, so I think he's, uh, he's in a really tough situation right now. I hear that uh, the two Romero
2: twins aren't going to play at the weekend because there's trouble with them again. So basically what we're seeing in San Lorenzo is just a huge loop that happens with every coach who goes there uh, Exactly. They have a couple of decent results, then some losses. The Romero's get pissed off or piss someone off. They go out of the team. Pressure builds because they're the best players on the team and ultimately... The coach gets sacked, and San Lorenzo end up in mid-table obscurity.
0: Yeah, and they're still relying on Nestor Ortigosa in midfield as well. I mean, in you know, deep lying midfield, uh, which it's not ideal, is it?
2: it and Torrico, Ingolia. Yeah. It's um, it's an interesting squad they put together. Yeah. Should you know, they should be able to get results because there's quality there too, relatively. But yeah, you get the feeling that like, no one knows how to handle this squad, really.
0: And Montero's an interesting one in himself as well, because I remember him being in charge of Colón. Um, I can't remember who it was he was in charge of in Uruguay before that. But just thinking...
1: Was it in Rosario Central?
0: He was at Central oh, as was well. Yeah. Central, yeah. that's right, yeah. Um, but just sort of, I, I'm not sure that I'd call him a bad coach, but I'm, ju- I'm just, when you think, remember what he was like as a player, looking mm. at his teams, they just, you'd expect them to... At least be competitive and to, you know, go out there with, with 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 a some bite, as it were. And and they just look flat a lot of the time. As you say, Santi, once they San Lorenzo at the moment, when when they concede the first goal, they just kind of roll over, say, please, please, tickle my tummy. Um, it's th- there's no but- desire to get back into the match. And if there's one thing that when he was playing that you would have thought, yeah, this guy's going to go on to be a manager, you think I would not want to play against a team managed by this absolute psychopath and he's like a different person it's bizarre no one appears to have anything to say in response to that um so i'm going to call a half-time break i think because zoom is telling me we've got just three minutes left on this current call yeah Uh, that's
1: why we said nothing
0: (laughs) indeed yes because you all knew after after we got cut off last week you could see what was going to happen this This time around uh, when we come back for the second half, we will continue discussing a few more of the league results. In particular, of course, we'll discuss Rosario Central's Copa Sudamericana exit. Um, Santi's already talked about Independiente's win over them at the weekend. Um, and then we'll go through some list questions. So for now, don't go away. Okay, Welcome back. Some of the other results from the weekend um, I'm just trying to look at who the main players are really now. We've talked about Independiente, we very briefly discussed um, Lanús uh, Colon What did they do? They got that 1-0 win over Gimnasia. Ah yes, this, I actually caught this one on Friday evening and it, as I said when I read out the result it was entertainingly scrappy and bad tempered and I don't think I'd have been quite as entertained if I'd been supporting either of the teams but as it was it was just sort of a rather pleasantly uh, anarchic at times. It, the football wasn't that great, um, largely because Colon had an awful lot of shots and couldn't seem to keep any of them on target. But um, yeah, another solid win for Colon. Another, I feel like they've kept a lot of clean sheets. That might be my imagination. Um, yeah, you know, their defence isn't actually that brilliant. They've scored seven and conceded six, but they're third in the table. Um, and yeah, another disappointing or slightly underwhelming at least performance from Gimnasia, who are similar territory to San Lorenzo, really just a couple of places above them, and same number of points. Um, any other matches that you guys caught over the weekend and particularly enjoyed, or have anything to say about? I don't think that's pretty much
1: it. I guess uh, we we covered a lot in the first uh, in the first half. Mm. I'd say Allo uh, C V
2: Atlético Tucumán was. Uh, was surprisingly entertaining. If Al had held on, they would have been right out there in the title race, which I hadn't noticed happening because every time I see Al he they play some nice football and ultimately and ultimately end up losing. Oh um, yeah,
0: I missed that. I saw the result, but I didn't realise it was um quite such a late equalizer, three minutes into stoppage time for Atletico.
2: Yeah. It seems uh the Gago revolution is finally um getting its hooks in there. We'll Indeed. Yeah. Al Diva Colon this weekend, yeah. I might even watch that on, on Friday to work.
0: Two goals know. from Martin Cateruccio. Uh mm-hmm. The other one that I actually did want to ask everybody whether they saw was, did anybody <laughs> catch Defensa Justicia versus Sarmiento? Because 4-2 mm-hmm. with two, well, one goal for each team in stoppage time. Sounds entertaining.
2: No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not that into, into football. I wouldn't put myself through that.
0: These matches on Monday evening, are, it, it's a bit of a pity because they often throw up a ridiculous scoreline or so, but after the weekend, you just sort of feel like you need an evening off. Yeah, that's
2: yeah, the thing with... Uh, I play, yeah, I play football it, on Monday night, so definitely, doubly oh, yeah. so for me. Never yeah, watch
1: that's, a Monday night. Uh, that's the thing with Monday night football. It's either, you know, a complete snooze fest or a goal fest. Yeah. Never anything in between.
0: Yeah, I don't know whether it has to do with the... The teams who tend to get scheduled on on Monday evening or what but um it's it's bizarre I remember when when I was living in England and following the Argentine League from afar on very dodgy um and very illegal internet streams uh, back in the late zero zeros um just consistently finding that there there were, there were like two or three short championships in a row where almost every single Friday night there'd be an absolutely brilliant match. Um, Or that was how it felt at the time. And yeah, it's sort of, it's weird how that happens. It it hasn't really been happening for a while now on Fridays, but it's it's quite strange how, um, again, just guessing whether it's the teams who get scheduled at that time or what, but uh, yeah. Um, Now Rosario Central, lost to Independiente at the weekends. lost 4-3 in the Copa Sudamericana as I think we mentioned last week uh, in the first leg at home to Red Bull Bragantino I've got that right haven't I? I'm not misremembering Um, Yes I am Uh, I'm not misremembering fortunately Uh, and then lost 1-0 to them on the 17th which is Tuesday evening um, back in Bragantino with Artur the goal scorer Nobody, I think, caught the first leg when we asked about this last week. Did anybody manage to watch the second leg? I did, yes. Ooh.
2: Fantastic did game. It, Daniel? Really? Absolutely fantastic game, yeah. Oh, I think I said on Twitter at the time it's, it was going to go down as one of the best nil 0s in history. Like, so open, so many chances. I think Central is something like three goals disallowed or something. Um, very, very entertaining stuff. And yeah, they got unlucky with that. They got Vard, very... Uh, very roughly, although I don't think any of the the calls were particularly unfair. I can't really remember. Um, but they I think gave uh, it they they
1: called, they called a foul on a ruben goal, which was you know pretty hard on like mm. And then the Possibly. final goal was, you know, not the kind of goal you want to concede, you know, in that kind of situation.
2: No, pretty sloppy. Um and then they just spent the final minutes. Trying their best to guide Bragantino into some sort of brawl, and Bragantino won not having any of it. They they uh, retreated like like the army of a of a country which is known for retreating. And I managed to avoid any red cards, which would have hurt them in the in the semi-finals. Um, no, very very good game. Probably the best continental game um, I watched all of this week. We'll see what tonight throws up.
0: Yes, indeed, we will. Sorry, I was wondering what you were talking about then, and then I remembered. Um, Well, Paranaense
2: Liga de Quito looks like it's an absolute thriller.
0: Indeed, yeah. No, it was more that um, between not sleeping well last night and the fact that we've recorded two Fridays, well, not two Fridays in a row, but two recordings in a row have been on Friday, uh, I was convinced that tonight was Friday and therefore that we had league football. And I was like, what do you mean tonight? Continental? No. And then I remembered it's Thursday. Um, Indeed, yes, so... Unlucky Central. Where is it? What What happens next for Osario Central and Kini Gonzalez? Presumably, is going to get a little bit more patience than uh, some other managers who've had negative results in recent days. Given that he's a relative novice in the job. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, haven't, I haven't watched
2: Central particularly uh, particularly closely so far this season but I thought they played a little bit of decent football against Independiente and they played a fair bit of decent football against Bragantino Uh, the results haven't been going their way they're second to bottom in the league right now Uh, Arnie Vélez are below them Um, I think the defence really is uh, is going to be the problem there because they've got enough to, to score goals but they they just don't seem to be able to to stop conceding them
0: no indeed um, that, that seems fair in the continental competitions then obviously as we mentioned already we're, we're not finished as, as Dan just reminded us in fact we're not finished with the Libertadores quarterfinals yet um, but the semi-finals of the Libertadores so far are going to be oh this app doesn't have which teams are playing which others I was feeling all like yes I've actually remembered to bring it up here and then I scrolled along to the screen and hasn't got it's Mineiro
2: against Palmeiras and Flamengo against either Barcelona or Fluminense.
0: Thank you very much, Dan. Um, so Barcelona and Guayaquil are the only team standing between South America and an all-Brazilian set of semi-finals, which I have a feeling would be the first time in Libertadores history that one team has provided uh, one country has provided all four semi-finalists. Does that sound right? It has to be surely that, because before the expansion.
2: expansion it's only been possible now.
0: for a few yeah. years anyway, hasn't it? That's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, has to, has to. Because um, yeah, we'll River I mean, at least have been in the semis for God knows how many years.
0: Yeah, precisely. As I said, since 20, 2014 was the last time that River weren't. So that's, and there obviously haven't been any all-Argentine semi-final lineups in that time. So,
2: San Lorenzo were there the year before. Yeah, we the year before that. Yeah, yeah, easy. I think yeah, pretty uh, much. Uh, uh, another the, t- the year before that. Yeah. Yeah, that
1: that Uh, would mean that that Barcelona and Guayaquil are probably, you know, uh, representing the whole of the Spanish speaking part of the continent at this moment.
0: Without a doubt. Hmm. Um, I think I said they were playing Flamengo, but they're they're playing Fluminense, of course, uh, Barcelona. Anyway, um, the first leg of that one ended 2 2 in Rio de Janeiro, thanks to a fifth minute penalty for Fluminense. so Barcelona, from what I hear, because I have to admit, I didn't see the first match, but Fluminense aren't in particularly great form, I don't think, in, in Brazil. Um, and Barcelona, with home advantage this evening, could be onto something. Uh, it's still going to be a very much an uphill battle, but we'll have to wait and see. But um, well, they've been
2: excellent so far in... Uh... In the I think they finished mm. top of a group which included Santos and Boca, and they they knocked out Veles, came back from behind uh, in the last 16. So they definitely like, you know, they're usually one of the cannon fodder teams in the Libertadores, but this year they've really stepped up. Indeed. In the Sudamericana,
0: Peñarol have seen off Sporting Cristal uh, in one quarterfinals, final, so they're through to one semi, and they're going to play. Oh, Liga de Quito and Atletico Paranaense. Um, in case Dan wasn't clear enough earlier when he mentioned that it could be a good game, uh, they are actually playing at the moment. They're currently drawing 2-2 early in the second half. Uh, I think, yeah, Liga de Quito on the first leg, 1-0. So that means they're winning 3-2 on aggregate at the moment. The winners of that tie will play Peñarol. And Red Bull, Dragantino, of course, put Central out 5-3 on aggregate. They will play either Santos or Libertad. Um, The second leg of that is later tonight yes it's in just over an hour's time Uh, in Asunción Santos won the first leg in Santos Um, I assume it was played in Santos anyway they sometimes play the big matches elsewhere don't they but um, I'm pretty sure it was Uh, yes it was anything to add Sudamericana wise gents?
3: Well I think that uh, I I think well it's quite obvious they have been showing this especially in this occasion, in this year. But I think that from now on, Brazilian teams uh, in overall competition will have even more power because last week it was uh, approved a law in which clubs will be able to be managed by companies. I think this has been happening. In fact, uh, you have mentioned several times uh, uh, Red Bull, Bragantino, and that model could be even more uh, applied for other clubs as as now it's a law, so uh, they they perhaps will have a lot of money, or even more than they have right now. And I think that will uh, uh, will, will mean that uh, teams will have money. But uh, Atletico community has just signed Diego Costa uh, as, a, as an example of that. Yeah, I was reading about yeah, that. Um, He's not
0: going to be eligible to play in the Libertadores semifinals, yeah. I assume.
3: Yes, no, so I, I think he think will.
1: It will I be they can make changes, you know, one, two changes to their squad for, for him to be signed. And also with Flamengo, they have just signed uh, Kennedy and uh, Andreas Pereira alone from Chelsea and Manchester United, which means they can also play for them in the semifinal, which, you know, at this point is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, well, I wouldn't be too concerned about playing against Andreas Pereira, but anyway. Yeah, um... Maybe
1: in Europe, but in South America, they, it must feel like they are, you know, well well, and truly capable of
0: doing a decent job. Maybe it's liberating for him, who knows. Um, anyway, yeah, that, that's a really good point. And actually, it goes some way to um, answering a question that we have, which was actually a question that we got last week. But since we haven't had very many questions tweeted so far, I'll ask it tonight um, from Tom, who runs River Plate in English, uh, who said, following that first leg, if Atletico Mineiro knock out River with a goal from Nacho Fernandez have we reached a grim new future where Argentines simply cannot compete with the Brazilian clubs? And it feels as if ever since we started this podcast, we've been explaining in, in dribs and drabs to people, obviously Tom knows because he lives here, but um, we've been explaining to the audience why Argentine clubs theoretically shouldn't be able to compete with the Brazilian clubs because of the economics. Um, and yet they've continued to do so. But yeah, I mean, as Andres says, there's uh. The, the risk, or the, the very real possibility that um, these developments now, and with with the new club ownership models coming in in Brazil, really could distort the continental competitions quite severely or or seriously. Um, something that
1: has to be something that has to be clarified is that uh, what Brazilian clubs have uh, as an advantage in terms. Of, in contrast to actually the clubs, is not just the, the position in the market, which is much more attractive, you know, um, I think European teams are just better, um, just have, do better business with Brazilians, you know, in terms of, you know, not getting very bothered about, you know, putting an extra clause or an extra, you know, fee for whatever. Um, and, you know, the economy, on the economy of the country, but also the fact that Brazil, Brazilian football also allows clubs to take more debt, which um, we have seen in several cases, like you know uh, Santos and uh, Corinthians, and in a more you know uh, and in a more extreme case, Crusader, that things things like that can backfire. But it also means that if um, if it comes comes out right and uh, they have a sustained success, they will keep going up and up and up something that we've seen with Flamengo and Palmeiras, and possibly in the future also are eliminated.
0: Yeah, I guess the other thing to, you know, remind people of is that we had, or lots of people feared a similar situation back in the early part of this century when MSI took over at Corinthians, and that never really turned into continental domination uh, for Corinthians or for the Brazilian sides who were benefiting or, or indeed from the Argentine sides who benefited from some by South American standards, very, very high transfer fees. Um, so you never know, you know, sometimes money isn't everything, but ultimately uh, if this situation lasts and if there's actually sustained investment in Brazil's clubs, uh, then yeah, you might well see some kind of a um, domination, although, you know Santi kind of hinted at it just now. I, I think that as well, the Brazilian sides are going to end up losing their best players to Europe on a fairly regular basis as well. So it, it might end up evening out in a way. Um, next up, we have who's here with a question? Oh, god, I've got to scroll up a long way. Darren Paul says, How good is that kid, Saracho? And is it time for the UVeda Lucian? Dan, I think these ones are for you. Well Saraccio, of course not, is uh, more aimed at me and Andres, but
2: yeah, he had a fantastic game against uh, River. He's taken his time actually to to make a marker. Menedo, I know um he was signed initially by paulo when paulo was there, which would have been just after the World Cup, so start of 2019 perhaps, or mm. middle of 2019. Um kind of was reserved for a while on the bench and and since Kuka took over, um, you know, all, our uh, everyone's favorite ragged shirt wearing coach. Um he's really come into his own, you know, he plays in this very kind of dynamic formation alongside Eduardo Vargas, alongside Savarino, kind of playing off Hulk, who, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna want a big forward to hold up the ball for you and let you get into the box. I mean uh, you're not going to get much better than Hulk around um, around South America. Uh, so yeah, I'm delighted to see him triumph. Uh, I've always thought he's a fantastic player. I've probably watched I've probably watched 99 of the games he played. Racing, if not a hundred, prior to his move away. Like I've seen him in the reserves when he was just a kid, um, and he's definitely got the, the talent. Um, I think the only thing. Always has the back. He just misses so many fucking easy chances. Like last night, he scored a a scissor kick, a diving header, and then missed an open goal. And It's an, an infuriating thing about him. Like the easy chances, he tends to 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 piss away. Uh, if he gets that down, I think the the sky's the limit. I don't know how old he is now. Actually, twenty two. He can't be much older than that. Uh, and the second part, uh, fuck nice. Um, I'll just keep watching Racing and not get particularly excited about it, see where it takes us.
0: Yeah, I think Darren's getting a bit more excited about that than you.
2: I mean, he tends to. Uh, 23, Saracho. I was just looking that uh, up myself. Yeah, Darren always tends to get a little bit more excited about Racing than, than I do. I don't think he's he's gone through the, the ringer as many times, so I prefer <laughs> to maintain my detached uh, cynicism about, about the whole affair.
0: The other question is from Bob Roberts, who says, "Are Boca and River as bad as they've been playing of late? If so, what has caused their fall?" I
2: mean, yeah, maybe... they've lost a lot of their best players and haven't replaced them. In, in a nutshell, uh, Boca lost Tevez. They lost um, someone they also else.
1: They lost uh, a lot of Ávila. Ch- they lost all of their strikers basically. They lost all of the strikers and didn't bring in one in. They brought
2: in, as we said earlier, Ariasco, who has a career record of about 10 goals in 90 games, um, which wasn't particularly encouraging. Um, and they just haven't played very good football for, for quite a long time and very similar to River, I think, um, you know, they their heart's in the right place. They want to play this football, this open attacking football they have done since Gacharo um, took over. But, uh, you know, especially now without Montiel. And with Nacho Fernandez having gone, with Borre having gone, Martínez Cuarta, all of these guys who, you know, they weren't just proven, they were kind of the, the new generation and and looking really good. I mean, it's, uh, it's what happens to a lot of clubs. You know, every year you're replacing good players with not so good players, and it's a loop um, that continues um, in that way. Um, but I don't think it's it's a permanent thing by any means. I've seen a lot of apocalyptic voices in the press since um, since River, River went out, who I don't really agree with. I think um, they're going to be back next year and Boca as well will probably be back and 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 they'll have a go at winning the Libertadores. I mean, quite and a final
3: before, I mean, what, I say, Patriots,
1: what I will say about, uh, about Boca is that uh, I think... Uh, I don't remember them being this bad for a long, long time, which, uh, I mean... No, can they see were much that worse even... when I started watching. Yeah, 2009,
2: 2010, they were
1: fucking what, awful. Were they? I mean, I think... Sam There was They were really of, bad. When we started recording, both Boca and River were terrible. I mean, River, River eventually got relegated, of course, but uh, the thing with the thing with Boca, I think, is that, um, is that even even, um, I mean, I think the last time they, they they had such a poor, poor performance on on, on the standings, you know, on, and when it shows on the table, is 2013 with uh, Carlos Bianchi when they finished uh, second to last in that uh, short tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I think we were used to to watch this Boca side, you know, be absolutely terrible, but still snatch away wins and uh, get some get a couple goals every now and then, and then do just enough to win game after game after game after game, and, you know, win like two straight championships and something like that. Uh, so it was just a matter of, you know, when the goals st- stop coming and they stop, uh, and they just stop creating the one or two chances that back then were enough to, to win them games, and they would be in big, big trouble, which is exactly what's going on right now. Yeah,
2: but let's have some perspective on this as well, because if it wasn't for some very, very suspect refereeing decisions, they they would have been playing River in the in the quarter final in the quarterfinals of the Libertadores rather than rather than Atlético Menedo for all Menedo's power and money. Uh, that's what it came down to in the end. Uh, so I'm yeah, always okay. wary of these sweeping statements like "just let them play and and we'll see what happens." Like. Yeah, but their,
1: their domestic form is inexcusable.
2: Yeah, but they'll pick it up. We all know they're going to
0: pick it up. It's the second worst start to a domestic season in Bocas history, I think. I read the other day. Um, no,
1: I think they, they've equaled it. I think uh, no, not yeah, probably the second worst <laughs> start, but also the um, I mean, you you might be right about that, but I think it's also like the, the worst ever run of uh, winless games, which was ten. So if they fail to win the next game. Then they will just it would just be the worst their worst winless run ever.
0: Yeah, and, and it seems to have come you know pretty quickly, uh, as you say. Really, it's almost come as a result of just losing the guys who were scoring goals for them. Um, their attacking strategy for such a long time, and I, I you know, strategy rather than tactics, because they didn't really seem to have any attacking tactics. It was just a strategy of. Individual quality, um, doing what it could for them, um, and once those guys leave and you replace them with with players like Briasco, there's not a hell of a lot there anymore to to really do it. And it's also, I mean, it's it's worth you know pointing out Bob's um sort of both sides to this to an extent, but River are significantly better off in the league table at least than than are. Um, and I think have probably got a higher floor or a higher ceiling whichever way you want to look at it in terms of what they might do in the rest of the year you know without making any more additions or changes to the squad as long as they can hang on to you know certain players during the transfer window but having let uh, Montiel go to Sevilla was that last week or the week before um, you wouldn't have thought that they're going to be too willing to let anybody else go Um, but yeah it's just it's that kind of they're both on the downswing at the moment and it's going to be a matter of trying to make things happen again. Obviously, the, the pandemic has affected everybody uh, economically and, and has made it really hard for Argentina's clubs to hang on if it wasn't already hard enough. Um, I mean, it's difficult to pin down just, just one ingredient uh, in in this uh, mess that, that, that both sides are making. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, as I say, I, I think as a team, River are probably capable of improving a fair bit Boca might struggle a little bit more but you wouldn't expect them to stay as low down the table as they are uh, for very much longer I mean they were at home to Patronato this weekend you know if, if they can't get a win there although having said that I'm now looking at the table and Patronato are sixth uh, one position and one point above River so who knows maybe it can get worse <laughs>
3: The good thing for Boca, I think, is that uh, like it was said before, uh, Battaglia knows well the kids and uh, mm-hmm. the, the the reserves uh, kids, uh, and they, he can push them. I mean, eventually, uh, in fact, they played a, 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 a full two full matches, uh, one against Banfield and the other one one against San Lorenzo. And against Banfield, it was quite good, and they deserved the win. Uh, they drew new nil, well, uh, and that was a show. What they can do if they are uh, into the team of course of course not all of them in a sudden and the uh, uh, full team but uh, a pair of them showed showed the talent and 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 Battaglia being the coach means that they could have their opportunities
0: indeed yeah uh, that that's a good point actually about Battaglia so maybe maybe Bocca do have some scope for for improvement um If no one has anything to add, then I think it's time for Mystic Sam because those are all the questions we've had. Super. Right. In that case, here's some theme music. And here are Mystic Sam's predictions for the weekend to come aldo host colon as was mentioned earlier this should be one of the juicier fixtures in the weekend it's happening at why is that kicking off at quarter to five on a friday how strange anyway um aldo are at home to colon i'm going for an aldo win i think banfield host estudiantes later on friday evening i'm going for an estudiantes win there Um, and at the same time Sarmiento are at home to Atlético Tucumán that's going to be a draw Um, wow lots of matches tomorrow evening Independiente hosts Defensa y Justicia and will win it, Independiente will, will win that one, on Saturday Godoy Cruz versus Huracán I think will be a draw Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero versus Platense is gonna be a Platense win. Vélez at home to Lanús. Lanús ought to win that one quite handily. That's top against, uh, well, not top against bottom, of course, it's bottom against top. Um, Arsenal versus Racing will be a draw. Boca versus Patronato will be a draw. Union versus Tacheres on Sunday is a win for Union. Newells versus Rosario Central. Oh, okay. We should have previewed that one, shouldn't we, guys? Um, Is going to be a... I think... I'm going to go for a draw there in the Estadio Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, San Lorenzo versus Argentinos is a San Lorenzo win, maybe. And Gimnasia versus River is a draw. Anybody... Particularly disagree
1: with any of those. Yeah, can, we can probably use the time and uh, correct our mistake and preview the the Classico de Rosario, maybe.
0: Indeed, yeah, we have uh, ten minutes left. Zoom is now telling me so. Newells versus Rosario Central. We've, I mean, we, we kind of we don't preview clasicos as much these days because we often run out of time because we've previewed all of the fixtures very many times and talked about the history of them a million times and all the rest of it. Um, But Newell's are ninth coming into this one with three wins, one draw, two losses. And Central, as well as, of course, just having gone out of the uh, Copa Sudamericana and possibly partly as a result of their Copa Sudamericana run, are 25th with one win, no draws, and five defeats. Uh, All the same, I'm going to stand by my prediction of a draw in the (laughs) Clásico, because it's just so difficult to guess what's going to happen? And it's, you know, it, it really is. It's a huge cliche to say it, but uh, there are a few fixtures really in world football, which are more form book goes out the window than the Rosario Classico.
2: That fence comfortable enough for you, Sam? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm
0: very, um, yeah, I've, I've got myself a nice pillow. Oh, good.
2: Just let me know if you're else saken. So, can, look, so that's what, what
0: do you think is going to happen then, Dan?
2: Uh, Newells are gonna win one 0 and there are gonna be free records between the two teams.
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it. I think it's a, I think it's a shame that um, Argentina haven't uh, welcomed fans back yet because if if they did, then I would be way more interested in the in this game than I actually am I think because I mean they would absolutely wreak havoc like they always do. <laughs> I'm but, sure they uh, will anyway
2: to be honest around Rosario.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, a couple of banderazos, a couple, you know, fist fights in the streets, some uh, um, some flares as well, uh, you know, into someone's eye or something like that. I, I, that's the least I hope for for this kind of derby. So, in terms of the football, I think both sides are really, really underwhelming right now, and they have been for a while. But I think news are going to win on the basis that the Central are just uh, completely out of it, and I think um, this might. I, I will also predict that this will eventually and with uh, Kili González sacking as central manager. I've
3: I think that Jules will win, and, and there will be problems within the squad of Central and llegados. I've managed to get hold of the statistic everyone wants to know, by the way.
2: Go on. Uh, behind closed doors, this match will be minded by 250 of uh, Santa Fe's finest.
0: That's about the same number as had the Classico in the Copa Argentina the other week, isn't it? It's
2: about the same as Boca River and still quite a long way behind Nacional Peñarol in the in the Sudamericana, who had about 400 plus mm. the Air Force.
0: Yeah, Boca River, of course, was played on uh, in La Plata rather than in Buenos Aires. But um, yeah, that, that I remember you tweeting about the Sudamericana one. Um pretty high number uh anyway
2: and there'll still probably be por- trouble fun and there'll still probably be trouble
0: yeah no doubt uh i would also after what santi said I- i'd just like to clarify as 100 pods uh editorial supervisor that uh, this podcast editorial line is very much that we hope nobody gets hit in the eye by a flare um i
1: mean I, I i i never said i'd enjoy it i say i'm predicting it
0: uh I, I, I think I heard the word hope banded around. But uh anyway, Oof. on that note, um we will say thank you very much for listening and goodbye for another week from Andres. Thank you, bye. From Santi.
1: Bye. And I, I think I will say bye for a while because uh well I this, uh, yeah, because um I think this will probably be my last uh hand of pot appearance for a while because uh it will be hard for me to schedule this kind of meetings since I will will begin a new job that will uh, require me to work on Thursday and Friday nights. So,
0: and are you able to uh, share with our listeners where you're off to or something?
1: Yeah, uh, I I will begin working from next Thursday on TNT Sports and produce as an assistant producer. So, I'm really happy about that.
2: Yeah, we're all very good.
0: Very excited for you as well, and obviously you're still part of the Hundred Pod family, so you're welcome back whenever we can fit you in, or when well, whatever you can fit us in, I should say. Um, so <laughs> good luck so. and goodbye to Sandy, um, and thank you and goodbye from English Dan.
3: Goodbye,
0: and from me, thank you and goodbye.